At the beginning of the year, we at Bridges Community Church began a discussion on breaking the mold. In our new sermon series titled, I Am a Bridge, we continue this discussion as we check out what it looks like to become a bridge to our friends, family, and community to meet Jesus head on. Join us as Pastor Ron shares from God's Word how we can say with confidence, I am a bridge. morning, church family. What a good thing to be with you. If you're catching the reflection of this, it would be a great morning for you. Uh, I need a volunteer to help us dive into the word this morning. Uh, Rob Shibata, sure. Come on up. Great. Thanks. Thanks for your willingness. And um, what are you going to do? Say no to the pastor on a Sunday morning, right? If you don't know my my good friend Rob, and I want to apologize for this. We actually cracked the mirror trying to set up for this illustration. And, um, but don't worry, it's not about luck because we have a sovereign Lord on our side. And if I was thinking ahead of time, we would have had a nice bouquet of flowers here. Rob owns a flower business, so, but um, I wasn't thinking ahead of time. Sorry about that. Rob, I need you to, your help with the message this morning. And I know you love the Lord and love his word, so um, I need you to help me out with this illustration. Why don't you turn around and look here, and beside the reflection of the beautiful people out here that you're seeing, what do you see? myself. All right, good. Turn around. You know, the, um, the first service, I had Mayna Bressler up here, and she said, I see a little girl. She actually is a, is a high school kid. And um, when you look in the mirror, when you saw yourself this morning, if you did, maybe you just skipped that whole thing and you went right to church, which is fine. Um, you probably saw a lot of different things, right? You Different people see you, and they see different things. They see maybe a successful businessman. Maybe they see, um, oh, you're Nancy's husband, and they see you in the glow of the reflection of your wonderfully talented wife. Um, they could, they could all, there are all kinds of things they might see when they see you. Uh, a handsome gentleman that is similar in age to myself or whatever. <laughs> um, so, but what does God see when he sees you? Do you know, he sees someone that he wonderfully created, Psalm 139, from the very beginning. He, he wove you together in your mother's womb. And Genesis tells us when we saw that creation, he said, oh, that's good. And that's hugely affirming to us, right, that, that he sees what's good. And we also know this, that in your own brokenness, your sinfulness, right, you, theologians call, are completely depraved. You are separated from God, and you have nothing that would commend you to righteousness, to holiness. But the Lord Jesus, he just loves you, right? He just, he looks at you, yeah, and, and despite our, our separation from him, despite our failings, despite mine, despite yours, he has faithfully, tenaciously, stubbornly loved you. That's right. Yeah. And that's what he sees. He sees someone he loved and that he sent his son for to die on a cross and to suffer for, to take your sin on his shoulders. And um, his, by his stripes, Isaiah says, we're, we're healed mm-hmm. and we're made new and complete. And your proclamation of his love 
And there's one more thing I want to tell you this morning, that you're a bridge. Yeah. You may be seated. Can you uh, thank my friend Rob for... Don't know, when you looked in the mirror this morning, whether you saw a bridge or not, probably not. But according to God's word, he has done this awesome marvel that his intent is to take Isaiah, his intent is to take you, and to make us a bridge that we might be a bridge so that people would be able to see the glory of God revealed in us and that they might understand and experience the love of God firsthand, his grace poured out. So God the Father pouring out his love comes across our bridge to our community, to our world. That's his intent, to make you a bridge. Now, bridges have several different components And one of those components that they start on the very first is what? Yes, the foundation. It's the pilings. Without the foundation or pilings of it, we'd collapse. And some bridges do that because they haven't spent time with the foundation and they they haven't driven the pilings deep enough. And when that happens, then the water erodes over time and that bridge will be destroyed. When we started first thinking about, praying about um, this year and all that it would entail, we started thinking about what would it be like for us to actually be a community that lived intentionally, that broke the mold. And that's why we, we use this model of breaking the mold. And if you've joined us just in the last few months, we used this illustration to say, What would it be like for God's people to get out of that? Well, it would take some things, some intentional things. First, we would need to be a community that prayed. And so uh, many of us started thinking about people in our lives that we wanted to pray for that would discover the love and the grace of God this year. And we wrote those down, and we put them on these little shards, and we made them into this globe. So on the flip side of this, what you can't see, if you look inside here, actually, you see all these little names of people that people here have been praying for faithfully this this year. Praise God for that. And that is the foundation by which we become a bridge. The foundation is our prayer. Now, there is this, there are all kinds of different wonderful passages expressing prayer, the Psalms, and all you look throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. But one of my dearest, my favorite ones is when the Lord Jesus is praying and you catch his heart. It's found in John 17. Would you turn your Bible open to John 17? If you don't have one, we provided some for you or you can just get on your phone and look at that. And as usual, I'll tell you, yeah, look at, you know, look at your phone or your iPad, but don't play games during the message. We have ushers in the back that are looking over your shoulders, and no, that's, that's not going to happen. John 17, this is about um, the Lord offering this wonderful prayer to the Father. And I'm going to give you context in a bit because we're going to jump in in the middle of the prayer, starting in verse 20, and we'll just talk about a few of those verses. 
and then I'm going to give you the greater context of what he's praying out so you can understand these words. But John 17, starting in verse 20, and we'll read through the end of the chapter, into the, the end of the prayer. Jesus prays this, I do not ask for these only. Now, he had been praying for those who had been following him, his followers there in the first century in Palestine. And he's saying, I'm not going to just pray for these people. Not just them alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I'm, gonna, I'm praying this prayer for all those in all those places outside of Palestine and all those times and generations that will come next. That's me. He's praying for me in this prayer. He's praying for you in this prayer a couple thousand years beyond. He's seeing because he's the sovereign God. He sees the future and he's praying for you. That's remarkable. So this is a prayer specifically for us, with us in mind. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's remarkable. That they would have that kind of oneness that you and I, Father, share. Think about that for a moment, if you would. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. That's a reflection. Our oneness is a reflection of the glory of God and his character. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. That same force and power of love, they might know that, the world might know that through our oneness. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now, there's a backstory here to this prayer. You're only catching the last part of the prayer. Jesus has prayed first, and he's expressing his faithfulness. Father, you've given me this mission to do here on earth, and I've been faithful to it. I've been faithful to those that you have given me, those who have come to follow me, and I've cared for them and nurtured them and discipled them. And he expresses what eternal life is. Look back in John 17, verse 3, where he says, and this is eternal life in his prayer, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That this is eternal life, that they would have relationship and not just have an acquaintance with God or know him from a distance, but actually intimately know him and can be connected to him and have a relationship with him and with Jesus Christ. That's what he's hungering for and 
praying for in this prayer. And as he prays, he prays about the world who has yet to know him and place their faith in him. And he's praying for us. And what bleeds out of this prayer is a great affection for us. It's a marvel. It's a wonder that Jesus would love Matt and we love me. That's, that's amazing. When we know ourselves and we know that all the things we've done to disobey him and separate ourselves from him, and yet, yet he loves us. And in this context, Jesus prays this out. And Jesus prays for the Father to do a work in us that is nothing short of miraculous. It's nothing short of miraculous, what he's praying here. Now let me ask, when Jesus prays, do you think the Father listens? When Jesus prays, do you think there's power in that prayer? When Jesus prays, is it truth? Is he praying truth and is he praying something that can happen and the Father wants to do and longs to do? Yeah, the answer to all those questions is yes. So this is a prayer prayed with the passion and the truth and the power of the Lord God Almighty and he's praying something that I don't typically pray. I pray differently. Even when I think I'm doing it right. I pray, oh God, wouldn't it be great for bridges if we would just keep growing and multiplying in a healthy way. And there's mixed motives in that. Sometimes I just want for us to look good as a church and for me to look good. And I, and I pray, oh God, I, would you just change those people? Not you I'm not talking about, but would you just pray about the people that really bug me and the people that are in my community that, that are obviously are in sin and they really need to be changed? God, would you, would you change people? And God, would you, would you keep me from looking really stupid when I'm trying to communicate the gospel? Well, actually, doesn't Scripture talk about us and being foolish and how he loves to use the weak and the foolish? And would you keep me safe? None of these things Jesus is praying for in John 17. Did you notice that? Our prayers sometimes don't sound like his. What he's praying for first is this kind of mysterious, amazing, intimate unity. Did you catch that? It's, it's remarkable, really. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's a purpose to that, this, us to have this intimate unity, that the world may believe and trust in Jesus. Why? Now, how, how does the world catch that when we experience that kind of connection with God? Now, look at the process. First, I don't become one with another person because everyone wants to get to know me or because I'm perfect. That's not it at all. It's a long ways away from that. We, our lives, become one as we draw together into intimacy with the Lord God. That, that unifies us. What unifies my wife and I is not my perfection. Actually, that, that's a long ways away from that. Those are the things that can drive a wedge between Sue and I. 
But what unifies us is our commitment to the Lord Jesus and our, our love for him, our commitment, our oneness in Christ. And those things draw us together like a magnet. That's how God has designed me to be and you to be. But it's not just Sue and I. That's, he's not talking about just a marriage relationship. He's praying that I would experience, that you would experience a oneness with Tim over here that would be so remarkable that it would proclaim the glory and power and majesty and the reconciliation of the Lord Jesus Christ so the whole community would stand up and say, wow, only God could have done that. And that Tim would experience the same thing with Ray, who's sitting right behind him. And the two of them, though they come from different cultures and different backgrounds, that they would experience oneness together as brothers in the Lord Jesus. And together they would connect with Barbara and be one with Barbara. And together they would connect with Mark. And they would connect with John Mark. And they would connect with the whole fellowship here. And we would experience a oneness that's so powerful that our community would look up. They would stand up and say, wow, what is happening there? That, that could only be the power of God because I know these people and they're all knuckleheads and they will all be divided. But God, God can do the miraculous. Isn't that stunning that he would do that? And so Jesus is praying that this would happen. Do you think it's going to be answered? <laughs> do you think it's possible that he could do this, that he could provide this kind of oneness in people? regardless of the culture or the language or the background or socioeconomic class, regardless of our sinfulness, the way that we offend each other, regardless of our opinions, which become convictions and divide us when they're, they're just opinions, regardless of all the stuff that we do, but he can provide this kind of powerful reconciliation through the Lord Jesus Christ and answer this prayer. Despite our brokenness, despite our sin, our failings, he can do that, and the world can see the power of this. He's praying for intimate unity, which leads me to this inescapable conclusion that this is a miracle that only God can do. And he's praying a prayer that I should be echoing. And when I pray it, I'm not praying that you should be changed. I'm praying, Lord, Change me. Change me. Don't, don't change my neighbor. God, be at work in me so that I might be one with the brothers and sisters together here, even that are sitting across from the other side of church that I didn't sit with intentionally because I don't really like them right now. God, make me one with James so that the world might see and with Pradeep so that the world might see. Give us the type of relationship that's far deeper than just acquaintances or friendships even, but drives deeper than that as eternal family in the kingdom of God and the family of God. Give us that, Lord. That's what I ought to be praying. Change me. Whew, right? It's something the world hungers for, it's something the church falls far short of, even the best churches, even our church. So it would be silly not to pray for it right now. I'm just asking, would you take a moment just in the quietness where you are and pray what the Lord has modeled for us to pray?
Would you pray, Lord, change me in such a way that I might be one with you and in you and with my brothers and sisters here and do that work so the world might see it. Pray. Go ahead and take a moment to pray. Just, he loves to hear your voice. He loves this prayer. Loving Father, so that the world might see your majesty, your reconciliation, so the world might believe in Jesus, your son. Make us one in you, with each other. We pray these things in the name and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead, so this might happen. Amen. Amen. So that the world might know we do some things around here at church to help facilitate it. We have life groups. In a couple of weeks, we're going to call you to step into another one. The purpose of the life group is not to help you make friends. It's to help you become one with other brothers and sisters in Christ. There are all kinds of different fellowship opportunities that we provide here so that the process might be accelerated. And there's all kinds of ministry opportunities. I, I find that the times that I experience this oneness with other people the deepest is when we're in the business, in the ministry together. Now, a lot of you shared this last week in ministry together. You were working with day camp and VBS, and if you did that, can, I, can you just raise your hand if you were part of that at all? If you were part of day camp or VBS, raise your hand because I know there's a ton of you. Yeah, thank you so much. And I, I just want to say there was a ton of people here on campus, yeah. And... Um, and we ought to affirm them because what happened was there were hundreds of kids that came and were listening, processing the word and the gospel. Wednesday night, we had a bunch of families, parents who have never stepped into a church before, who were observing and hearing the gospel for the first time. And they, they experienced it. They experienced just a taste of it. And in those kind of contexts, I would just encourage you to dive into them because they're the things, minister to the things that unites our hearts together around this purpose of the revealing of the glory of God and his power and him saving us, rescuing us for this purpose. So we pray for intimate unity and he prays that we would see Jesus' glory and know the Father's love. He's praying that out. Oh, Lord, let, let them see that. Satan's objective is to, so that the world might not see the glory of God and to have a false, a false caricature of who Jesus really truly is. So when you have conversations with people in your neighborhood and at work and at school about who Jesus is, they come up with all these things that are not true. It's not an accurate picture of who Jesus was. If they knew who Jesus was, they would come running to him and fall at his knees. Because one day, Scripture says, everyone's going to do that. Every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Between now and then, though, there are people who don't see it and are obscure. They have this false notion of who he is. But Jesus is praying that people would know him and see 
the glory of God and be captivated by it and come into relationship with him because of it. They miss his true majesty and divinity. And it's our privilege to be a bridge to people that they would see in us and through us and hear from us the glory of God. The author of Hebrews writes these words about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1. In these last days, he has spoken, that is God the Father, spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world, that is through Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The author goes on in Hebrews to say, and he's superior to every other thing you can imagine, even to the angels, because he's divine. He is the divine one, the high and lifted up. He is the majesty. And he deserves our worship. If people would have a clear picture of who he is, how can they do that, though, if we're not a bridge? They can't. So pray that way. Imitate the prayer of the Lord Jesus here in John 17 that we pray this way. And pray for people to know the love of God through his love in us. They would experience his love in us. We would bridge the Father's love to the person who lives next door to me, people who work with me and go to school with me. Richard Foster, in his really wonderful book on prayer entitled Prayer, catchy title, huh? Says this Prayer is the human response to the perpetual outpouring of love by which God lays siege to every human soul. Isn't that great? I'll repeat it once more. Prayer is a human response to the perpetual outpouring of love by which God lays siege to every human soul. It's my response, a love response of prayer. And I'm called to pray, not out of duty or obligation as a weight. It's a response to his love for me. So how do you pray? Imitate the Lord Jesus in his prayer. First, pray that God will change you. Not your neighbor, not somebody else. Pray, oh Lord, change me because I'm not experiencing this kind of oneness you're talking about, this intimacy with you and the Father and with the person who's sitting next to me or behind me or whatever. God, I, I want that so that the world might know it. Change me, Lord. Second, pray that, that you would know and experience the glory of Jesus and be a reflection of it. Pray that you would know and experience this that Jesus is praying about and then reflect it to people around you. And third, start praying that people around you would experience the love of God that lives in you. There's a moment in my life where I was ready to leave ministry. Actually, every one of us is a minister, right? That's what scripture teaches. Some do it and have the privilege, the honor of 
being supported financially for that, but all of us do ministry. And we're all called followers of Jesus to do ministry. But there's a point in crisis in my life when I was young. I was 21. And uh, I transitioned to a place in Central California called Lompoc. And uh, I went to a small church, church about 300. A friend of mine had been injured, and I helped out take over his youth group to church, like I said, a smaller church, but the youth group was experiencing this movement of God. And there was a girl in this youth group who didn't have any remarkable gifts. I still think about it now, and I think, wow, that, that, was, that was really crazy. Um, but she really loved Jesus, and she really loved people, and she prayed. And in a period of about six months, she saw um, 50 of her friends come to faith in Christ. It was, it, it was like this stunning thing. I, and I'm not exaggerating. I, like every week she'd bring these friends and they would come to Christ. And you're like, how is this happening? This is, this is so crazy. It's so out of... And it captivated my heart to, to know that God could use anybody anytime he wanted and pour out his glory through that person if they would simply humble themselves and pray and be a bridge. God can do that. Jesus does not pray this impossible prayer thinking, oh yeah, the Father's never gonna answer that. Does he? No. He prays with confidence knowing this is his purpose for us. So let's pray it out. Join me, please. Father. This is so far beyond us. Um, it's beyond us in scope. How in the world could you use me to make disciples of every ethnos? That's the mission there. Every people group. That's crazy. So beyond my is so beyond what I can even see or imagine. And Lord, um, I just think of the difficulties. I think the obstacles, and yet you pray this out that the world might know that, that you've been sent. The world might believe that you are the Christ through what you do with me and through me and with us and through us. We're praying, Lord, that you would so change us and birth out this kind of unity in our fellowship that people would stand back and marvel at the power and majesty and reconciliation, a force that just seems so unlikely but just brings you glory. Lord, do this work for your name's sake in us. All God's people say, amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Bridges Podcast. Check out Bridges Community Church website at bridgescc.org for more information.